Welcome to Takeaway Science, one of a series of short podcasts produced by BLAST, the Open University Science Faculty's outreach group. This particular podcast comprises three short audio sequences. Later in the podcast, we chew the scientific fat with Cathy Sykes, Collier Professor for Public Engagement in Science and Engineering at the University of Bristol. Now, this is followed by an interview with Dr Christine Heading, OU Associate Lecturer in Science and winner of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society of Great Britain's 2008 Silver Charter Medal. But first, BLAST Project Manager Emily Younell caught up with Professor Alan Bassendale from the Department of Chemistry and Analytical Sciences at the Open University to talk about the OU's new short course, Elements of Forensic Science. This first sequence runs for just over five minutes. Here's Emily Younell. Alan, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Why has the Open University developed a course on forensics? Well, in the science faculty, we're always looking for courses that have got a wide general appeal and also high scientific content. Forensic science is, a, is a, the type of subject that mixes both of those. It's got huge appeal through popular media and everybody loves whodunits. And it's very, also got a very high scientific content. Is there a particular demand for courses in forensic science? There's a huge demand for courses in forensic science at all levels. Um, a lot of universities do forensic science as a first degree. There's also master's degrees in forensic science. A lot of people do PhDs. We're filling a different end of the market. We're looking at people who don't know very much science yet, but who want to learn about it. And this is a great vehicle for introducing science as well as introducing the fantastic subject of forensic science. There are lots of television dramas such as CSI in the US and Waking the Dead in the UK and they show a heavy use of forensics to solve cases. Is it really like that in real life? Well yes and no. I mean no in the sense that what you've got in a CSI or something like that is a, um, a half hour to an hour programme in which crime is committed, uh, solved, and the person ends up in, in court. Now, of course, that could take months or years in real life. And similarly with the scientific analysis, it can take weeks, it can take months to do analyses, yet you have to show them very quickly in the, t in the TV. In fact, programs like CSI have introduced a new concept into court called the CSI effect. And this is that juries now know much more about forensic science than they ever did, but also they have very high and often unrealistic expectations of what uh, forensic science can do. So it's a good and it's a bad thing, uh, the way that these programs work, but they've certainly brought forensic science into the public eye. Is there something about scientific evidence in particular that makes it more reliable perhaps than other types of evidence? No, I don't think it's necessarily more reliable. There, there is the old thing that um, science can't lie. You make a measurement and you've got a particular output or an outcome from that measurement. That's true to a certain extent, but it's not necessarily foolproof. I mean, we've shown in lots of cases recently that things like the new technique of low copy number DNA has got its upsides and its downsides. It's not the science. It's the interpretation. Every time you have a measurement, you've got a person at the other end of it making a decision. So it's not necessarily more reliable, but when used properly, forensic science 
can give you very, very clear answers to questions through things like fingerprints and DNA. Do you think that there's a danger in being too reliant on forensic evidence? There would be if cases depended wholly on forensic science, but fortunately most jurisdictions, including the UK, don't allow you just to use forensic evidence in court. The way that the process works is that somebody has to take a decision on what needs to be measured, weighed, analysed. You don't go into a crime scene and examine everything that's there. You couldn't possibly do that. So the detective work is in deciding what to analyse, how to analyse it. You can't rely wholly on forensic evidence. You can only add that to the detective work, to the foot slogging, to the um, statements of witnesses and all that. So it, again, it's part of a, a whole process, but it can lead you in the right direction, finding a fingerprint and matching it with a, with a fingerprint database, matching DNA with a DNA database. That can often help you in the process of determining who to question and who was at the crime scene. And again, just going back to the new OU course, do you see courses like this as an introduction to often difficult or abstract concepts? Short courses can introduce a lot of new, of new concepts, but this is not a vehicle just for teaching science in a covert way. This is a course about forensic science. It's for those who are interested in forensic science, but it also opens up the opportunity for them to learn about the science behind it. So. It does introduce difficult concepts, but it, it, is, it is a course about forensic science. I should just add that it's also quite a limited course. It's only a 10-point open university course, and forensic science is a massive subject. So what we've done is we've concentrated on certain aspects of forensic science, things like fingerprints, DNA, body fluids. The course is first and foremost for those who really want to know about forensic science. And I would recommend it to anybody who's got an interest in reading newspaper articles, watching TV, because quite often they give you part of a story. If you read this course, you'll learn a bit more about what's underneath a DNA profile. What does it mean when they say there's a match or a partial match? What does it mean when they say it's a billion to one chance that somebody was at the crime scene? Emily Younell talking there with Open University Chemistry Professor Alan Bassendale about the OU's new 10-point course, Elements of Forensic Science. As Alan explained, this new Level 1 course is aimed at those interested in forensic science and the basic scientific principles involved. If you want to learn more about this course, or any other OU course for that matter, log on to WW3, that's the numeral 3, www.open.ac.uk slash study and just follow the links. The second sequence in this Takeaway Science podcast features a brief chat with Professor Cathy Sykes, holder of the Collier Chair for Public Engagement in Science and Engineering at the University of Bristol. Cathy has just been awarded an Open University Honorary Degree and Blast's David Smith caught up with her on a windy day at this year's Cheltenham Science Festival, of which she is co-director. This second sequence runs for just under four minutes. I'm here today with Cathy Sykes, a professor for the public engagement in science and engineering at the University of Bristol, a physicist 
and a well-known science television presenter. Cathy, who is your hero or heroine of science? Well, I have quite an unlikely heroine of science. She's a Victorian woman. She's called Angus Marshall. And she wasn't a scientist at all, but she was um, an amazing cook and kind of entrepreneur. And she was interested in science. So um, she just did some astonishing... I mean, she created amazing, amazing recipes. But she attended the Royal Institution's lectures, for instance, and she saw scientists doing rather exciting things with these liquefied gases, so liquid nitrogen and things like that. Um, And it was her who came up with some of the ideas for... um, She, you know, she asked, oh, perhaps I could use these. Um, And and she spoke to the scientists at the time and um, actually did things like tipping liquid nitrogen into ice cream mixtures and freezing them instantly and and you know it was kind of her idea she befriended the scientist she tried this out and she even she learned about refrigeration and she devised and designed her own small refrigerator unit so that Victorian women who were cooking, because it was mostly women who were in charge of the household cooking at the time, um, they had much more access to sort of easy to use, not only refrigeration units, but also ice cream making machines. So she was a human being, interested in food, interested in empowering women, learning about science, befriending the scientists, and then coming up with these amazing devices that made life oh easier and more exciting for um, other women who were like her. So I think she's, she's an absolute heroine. Not only that, she was incredibly lively and loved dancing. And I've always liked that in a human being. How would you encourage other people to participate in science? I would recommend, I would suggest to parents that the more you can do to encourage your child's curiosity, the better. I think it's really easy for parents and indeed scientists to give answers um, that make it sound like we know everything about the world. You know, say that, oh, well, there are three states of matter, when actually, you know, there are four or five or 20 or loads more. Or, or to say, this is certain. And actually, the better we are at saying, hmm, I don't know. Or some people think it's like this. The more open-ended that we make things and the more, the less certain we sound, the more space we give for kids to be creative. And there's some educational research that supports that, that the better we get at saying, here's a possible answer, but there are other answers and actually you could come up with an answer yourself. The better we get at doing that, the better we encourage kids to be creative. Because the thing is about the world and the thing about science is that we don't usually know (laughs) stuff definitely we we think we know and we think we have ideas but we often get better ideas or find out we were wrong so helping kids understand that this world is uncertain and their curiosity can help them to find out more about it i think that's key thank you ever so much for your time that's thank you david smith there talking with kathy sykes co-director of the cheltenham science festival If you want to develop your interest in science, why not consider taking the Open University's Level 1 course, Exploring Science? For further details of this introductory Science Foundation course, or any other Open University course, log on to www3, again that's the numeral 3, www.open.ac.uk slash study. Well, the third and final sequence in this Takeaway Science podcast features an interview with Dr Christine Heading, an Open University Associate Lecturer who teaches on both undergraduate and postgraduate science courses. 
Christine was awarded the Royal Pharmaceutical Society of Great Britain's 2008 Silver Charter Medal for her work in promoting women in pharmaceutical careers. This final sequence runs for just six and a half minutes. Here's Emily Younell again. I'm here with Christine Hedding. She is an Open University Associate Lecturer and a pharmacist. Um, Christine has just been given a prestigious award by the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. It's the Charter Silver Medal for her work both in pharmacy and also promoting women in pharmacy. Um, Christine, can you tell me a little bit about the award? Well, the award is an award that was, um, has been available since the early 1960s. Um, and is one of two awards made annually by the Pharmaceutical Society. There's a gold medal for contributions nationally and a silver medal, which I've been lucky enough to receive, which is given for contributions to a specific area of pharmacy. And in my case, it's particularly for work with women pharmacists. I gather that's a national association for women pharmacists. It's a national association for women pharmacists, although men pharmacists are welcome to join. Um, what sort of work do, does it do, the National Association? Well, um, it's been around for 103 years now, and basically it devotes itself to the issues that are of interest to women pharmacists, and these tend to be in two strands. One strand is an interest in gender medicine, and the other is focusing on career issues for women pharmacists. Why do you think it's important to have a specific representative organisation for women? Well, I think, in theory, it should not be necessary. But we have had equal opportunities for a long time, and pharmacy has been very good at promoting equal opportunities. But they haven't focused on equality of outcome. And that is where we think there's a great necessity to have a women's organisation that can draw attention to the fact that women aren't thriving as well as they should. And what sort of things do you think stop women thriving? I think the main problem is that so much regulation um, and planning is done on the basis of male career models. Right. And organisation as well is done on male career patterns and therefore women don't thrive in those patterns. What changes would you like to see to make that more open and um, make women more able to compete in that environment? Well, basically, you need gender awareness at all levels of decision-making and policy-making so that um, consideration is given to whether there are any gender issues. This should be part of a broader um, diversity awareness, I should add, but um, you certainly need it for women so that every decision, policy decision that's taken can be assessed in terms of its impact on men and women. Do you think there is a particular issue about women returning to a, a career in science? Oh, there's definitely a, an issue. Um, and getting back into pharmacy as such is not too difficult to get back in. But on the other hand, if you want to get back into pharmacy as a scientist, um, perhaps within the pharmaceutical industry, it is rather tricky. Mm. Certain avenues are available, such as going into um, regulation and uh, writing, uh, that sort of aspect of applied science. But if you want to get into laboratory science, it is very, very hard. 
Do you have any advice for women who might be returning to work in the pharmaceutical industry? Yes, basically it is possible because there is a shortage of good scientists. Um, so I think you have to network, you have to do a lot of research and find out where the opportunities are. And it's certainly possible to get into the um, applied areas, such as I said, in terms of writing and regulation, vig pharmacovigilance, these sort of things. Um, companies are quite happy, reasonably happy, about um, employing people on a part-time, flexible basis. Particularly if you go for not the main big names, but those that work as consultancies and agencies right. are particularly welcoming of part-timers. And how did you get into working for the Open University? Well, I've been working previously with the University of De Montfort on some of those their distance learning programmes. Um, and that came to a natural end as their course ceased. And I was looking around and, and was aware of the Open University all options there. But I should say I have a background in um, teaching in uh, what is now the University of East London where we had a great focus on part-time students. It sounds like you teach on a lot of courses so I'm guessing that you enjoy working with the OU. What is it that you like about the Open University? I like a lot of things. Um, I like its uh, flexibility in terms of its attitudes um, and the opportunities it offers. I like the quality of students because they're all dedicated. I greatly enjoy the mix of staff that I meet and associate lecturers that represent a huge diversity of people um, in terms of the stages in their career, the expertise. Well, they, they will have the expertise, but some have much more experience than others. Um, and, and so it's the general ambiance that I enjoy and, and the commitment of the students as well. Okay, thank you very much. Emily Younell talking there with Christine Heading, OU Associate Lecturer in Science and winner of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society of Great Britain's 2008 Silver Charter Medal. Well, that's the end of this particular podcast brought to you by BLAST, the Open University Science Faculty's outreach group. For other podcasts in this Takeaway Science series, revisit the Open University Science Faculty website at www.open.ac.uk science. If you want to find out more about some of the science outreach work carried out by the OU, visit the BLAST webpages at blast.open.ac.uk. Well, that's all for now. So from me, Mike Bullivant, adios.